2: iHeart. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant. Masking and social distancing when and where appropriate and We have made it through three Sundays of the season, and it was sort of wild on Sunday. I know I say that every week, but it feels like that way every week. Uh, Injuries kind of crept in yet again. We had some big performances out of nowhere. We had some flops where maybe we didn't expect them, so we'll get into plenty of that. We'll, of course, hit some of your waiver wire potential ads for this week. We'll look at some guys that maybe need to go to the waiver wire themselves, and we will take a look at the Monday night football game between the Ravens and the Chiefs. But before we do all of that, as we always do, we talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Uh, Murph, I guess all I have to ask you about is that the Yankees, right? I mean, the playoffs start this week, so there's that.
3: Right, yeah. It's so weird that football didn't happen this Sunday. I just didn't know that <laughs> it was any NFL going on. I saw college Saturday, um, but yeah, so uh, rough week, and I will say uh, kudos to you. I'm not just saying this because you being a, a friend and, and the host of this show, but you're a 49ers man. I mean, talk about digging deep with all your backups in and just uh, really how good of a coach Shanahan is and to, to just to beat up. I mean, if the Stars were in, oh. I mean that that score is going to be seventy to nothing. I mean it's it's insane. Um, so really, I mean you like to see that a team that has like fight and and uh, really uh, willing their way to a to a victory with like literally uh, second string third string guys in there. So that was just a pure beat down, and that was uh, as bad as it gets, really.
2: Yeah, it was it was a rough day for the Giants. I really thought they were going to put up more of a fight than that. Um, you know, especially with the Niners having so many injuries, so that mm-hmm. was definitely surprising. Uh, but you're right, Kyle Shanahan has done a pretty great job through Penama. three weeks, sort of, sort of just navigating all of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you that I'm sure they are thrilled to be leaving the New York metropolitan area <laughs> between. Right uh the injuries they had what i got yeah a bus mishap they had all sorts of problems T- a
3: ton them. of travel they i mean they were practicing like Greenbrier in west virginia i mean what a road trip that was and they come out with two victories i mean i i can't say enough good things about the 49ers team
2: yeah so uh, we'll see we'll see where it goes from here but uh, definitely a good good couple of weeks for the 49ers all right it is monday which means we are joined as always by the one and only kimmy checks who I had another pretty good week of prognosticating, so I'm sure we will dive into some of that. But kudos to you, Kimmy, and uh, how are you feeling on this Monday?
4: You know, I'm feeling good. Obviously, uh, yesterday's games, it was fun. I got puppies over the weekend. So it was very first time <laughs> The puppies got to watch Sunday football with their mom. Uh, but I'm more excited about tonight's game. I think this is probably going to be, you know, the game of the season, at least for me. Obviously, I'm a Chiefs fan. So I think that. But Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, the MVP showdown. The Chiefs are on the road going into Baltimore. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And I feel like a lot of fantasy managers kind of have this week's matchups hanging on by threads because they need – guys tonight to score. So I'm excited oh, to see what happens.
2: I know I've got in plenty of leagues. I've got uh, you know guys going on both sides. I, you know, I'm in that weird situation where I sort of need Patrick Mahomes to score a certain number of points to win one league, but not too many. So I don't lose in another league. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like I'm trying to thread the needle here with a lot of situations. So tonight's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to it. We will talk about that certainly later on in the show. But since we're talking quarterbacks, Let's get started with some of our fantasy headlines from week three. The biggest one, Russ and Josh are just lighting it up. Russell Wilson had a huge Sunday for the Seahawks, beating the Dallas Cowboys through five touchdown passes, just continues to light things up, having another great season. And right now it looks like he's pushing to be the QB1, 315 passing yards to go along with those five touchdowns. Then on the other side, Yeah, Josh Allen doing it again. He had five total touchdowns, four of them passing, 311 passing yards. So the question is, now that we are through three Sundays, who is your fantasy MVP?
4: Okay, let me preface it by this, because I had someone come at me on Twitter yesterday, because preseason – Preseason, before we watch any regular season games, <laughs> I said that I feel like Kyler Murray is going to be in the runnings to be an MVP. Kyler Murray's still been fantastic in fantasy football. So, right, that was, that was a prediction preseason. Someone tweeted at me last night and said, hey, how do you feel about Russell Wilson since you hate him and don't think he deserves to be MVP? And I was like, when did I ever say I hated Russell Wilson? So let me preface it by this, by saying this, Russell Wilson is fantastic. Russell Wilson could easily be the MVP, and I would be just as happy, okay? That's for you, Mark, who tweeted at me, okay? Come at me, I come (laughs) at you. However, I want to talk about Josh Allen. Five total touchdowns, as you said, four of them passing, one of them rushing 311 yards. Now, before the preseason had started and before the season had started, there was some concern over his deep, long balls and that accuracy. However, He's completed 71% of his overall pass attempts, especially on deep throws as he's 8 of 13 on passes that traveled at least 20 yards down the field and 30 of 45 on throws of 10 plus yards after he completed just 22% and 45% of those in 2019. So obviously his deep ball has improved. On top of this deep ball improving, yesterday we got to see they have QB design runs inside of the red zone. So that goes to show not only does he have the ability as a thrower and as a passer, but he also has the ability as a runner, which is definitely part of the Bills' game plan in in making sure that they're in scoring position. So just because of all of that, I think Josh Allen is in the running to become a fantasy MVP. If you have him on your squad, I'm sure you were so incredibly happy. I know my fiancé had him (laughs) as a starting quarterback in the 16-team. League And Josh Allen and Alvin Kamara, he got pretty lucky, those guys single-handedly won his matchup this week. So Josh Allen, I am all on this Bills Mafia train. I am riding with you. I'm going to crash through a table and be a Bills Mafia person <laughs> and just go wild because he is showing out.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, here, the running ability – We knew. That was sort of the attraction for Josh Allen when it came to fantasy because we knew he was going to get you those rushing scores. He was going to get you those yards. As you mentioned, the passing is sort of what we weren't sure about, but it looks like he's really cleaned that up this year. It definitely helps that they added Stephon Diggs to this offense. They are going out and putting the ball in Josh Allen's hands, and he's looked fantastic through the first three weeks. And so a lot of us who had doubts are now starting to rethink that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm still going to lean toward Russ right now. They have finally, as as we've been saying for weeks, they have let Russ cook. The Seahawks have put the game plan in the hands of their quarterback, and it has worked fabulously through the first three weeks of the season. Now, the one thing to keep in mind, the thing that may work in Russ's favor, is that that Seahawks defense doesn't look great right now. They are giving up a ton of yards through the air each and every week. They have been just lit up. By opposing passing games, it happened again on Sunday with Dak Prescott going over 400 passing yards in the game. So because of that, the Seahawks are in a situation where they may have to let Russ continue to throw the football in order to score points, in order to stay in games, because I don't think their defense is going to get a ton of stops. I know they did against the Patriots to win that game, but before that, even then, Cam Newton sort of ripped them apart. So I I think Josh Allen is in the mix, by the way. Kyler Murray is still in the mix. I mean, we're through three weeks, and he is the QB4. He is certainly not out of the conversation by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, you are still sort of on point with what you said in the preseason. But right now, with what we've seen with Russell Wilson sort of doing everything in the Seahawks offense, I'm going to say that he is my MVP. Uh, Of course, my opinion is subject to change as we get through the season, because that's what we do here, right? We take the information in front of us. We take the information in front of us and we make our opinions based on that. And so when the information changes, then we have free reign to change our opinions as well. So speaking of opinions, I have always been of the opinion of a thing called Bellatrix. When you talk about the Patriots' backfield and the fact that for years, we could never really pinpoint who the Patriots' running back of choice would be. Over the last couple of years, things seem to have sort of ironed themselves out. We could tell when it was going to be a James White game or a Sony Michelle game. We could even sort of pinpoint maybe the occasional Rex Burkhead game. But what we see in the first three weeks of the season is starting to make me wonder, is this changing back again? I mean, Rex Burkhead had a huge game on Sunday, 98 scrimmage yards, seven catches, three total touchdowns. Sony Michelle went over 117 yards. But J.J. Taylor is getting into the mix. James White, we know, has been away from the team uh, because of personal reasons for the last couple of weeks. So at some point, he's going to come back in. Who knows what happens with this whole rotation? So I have to ask, after three weeks, are Bellatrix back? and And how do we handle this?
4: I mean, it's Bill Belichick, so absolutely this is
2: Bellatrix. I like that.
4: You need a, you need to like copyright that. That's really good. I feel like Bill should, Belichick huh? would like. He would like being called that as well. He'd be like, "Yes, I have tricks up my sleeve," but he would stay with this much more. But he no, But
2: he has no. He also has no sleeves, so that. That's I know. A I
4: need. I saw the commercial yesterday. It's like some kind of, Subway insurance, whatever, whatever the commercials are, where he cuts off the guy's sleeves, and I'm like, maybe, n- maybe next week on the pod, that's my Bellatrix, uh That's my Belatrix outfit if this uh, two-headed backfield continues to be an issue. Now, I know we mentioned Rex Burkhead and Sonny Michelle, but I want to go back to Rex Burkhead because he recorded only eight fantasy points in the first two weeks of the season. But then with the absence of James White, he had his first real showing, 98 scrimmage yards, seven receptions, and three touchdowns, getting him almost 28 fantasy points. So what do we learn from this? This is textbook Bill Belichick messing with everyone's heads, right? Not only messing with defense's heads and other opposing teams, but also messing with fantasy managers, because what are we supposed to do? What we're learning from this rec Burkhead situation is that he could be a waiver wire contender, because though some could say this is just a one-time thing. Most of us are also smart enough to understand that we can't just dismiss it because this is also Bill Belichick. It's a Bill Belichick led team. And he gave this guy an opportunity because he understands that he could perform. So if you want to pick up Burkhead, you should do it. But just understand that he's a flex. Or at best case scenario, he's a low-cost daily fantasy flyer. And we'll see more this upcoming Sunday on what they can do when they play the Raiders. But again, this is just Bill Belichick being Bill Belichick, especially once we get James White back into the mix. I know we always talk about two-headed monster backfields. This could be a triple-headed monster backfield with all three of these guys getting opportunities. So it's kind of a head-scratcher. It's going to continue to be a head-scratcher. I feel like that's just how Bill, Bill Belichick coaches, and he really just kind of wants everyone to figure it out uh, and, and see what happens. But it's kind, of, it's kind of crazy, but it's also not because it's the <laughs> Patriots. So I kind of want to buy in, but I'm going to buy in with a little bit of apprehension and see what we do uh, in week four.
2: I think that's probably the smart way to go about it. I mean, Rex Burkhead has at least a safer floor because he will catch the football. And Cam has shown that he's not afraid to throw the ball to his running backs. I mean, he did in Carolina with Christian McCaffrey. He's doing it so far in New England with Rex Burkhead. I will throw one more uh, head scratcher into the mix. Damian Harris is eligible to come off of injured reserve, so we'll see how he slots in. I can't imagine they are going to go with four running backs. I mean... Look, anything is possible. It just seems uh, sort of weird to think that they're going to go with four running backs, that they're all going to see time. J.J. Taylor, who played well, may be sort of the odd man out when you have all those other guys there. It is going to be a mess. But I'm sort of with you, Kimmy. I think at least some of these guys, whether it is Rex Burkhead, uh, where it's Damian Harris, some of these guys need to be on fantasy rosters. You going to be play them. But uh, if I have a chance, i always drop the hashtag Rex in the Flex. Then no, nah. I'm going to feel good about that. I'm just going to go on and do that shamelessly and not You've go got bad You've about.
4: got all the good hashtags. you got hashtags. <laughs> really now you have Rex and the Flex. What?
2: you got to make a flex, hashtag man. for me. Come on. All I want to do is zoom, 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 zoom. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> so wide receivers, we are, are always, I would say we're in need of them because the position is very deep. But we were sort of waiting for some of these rookies to really step up in the first few weeks. And on Sunday, a lot of the rookie wide receivers Finally logged on to the chat, Justin Jefferson. The huge day. Seven catches, 175 yards, and a touchdown. T. Higgins, five catches for 40 yards. He had two touchdowns. Brandon Ayuk gave you 101 total scrimmage yards. He also scored on a 19-yard run. They got him the ball three different times uh, as a runner, showing that they want to do different things with him. So I I will sort of ask which player is most likely to keep it going. I'm going to sort of pump my own self here and say before the season – I thought Justin Jefferson was the guy most likely as a rookie to have the best fantasy season. I I didn't say that he necessarily had the highest ceiling. I thought maybe that belonged to, you know, a C.D. Lamb or maybe even a Jerry Judy. And Lamb has certainly shown big things this year. But I thought that just because of the opportunity, that Justin Jefferson was going to step in here and really get some op- get some targets. If Stephon Diggs was gone to Buffalo, they can't just live on Adam Thielen alone, although through the first two weeks, that's sort of what it looked like. But on Sunday, Jefferson stepped up and showed that he really is set to become the number two wide receiver in this offense, maybe pushing B.C. Johnson back to the background a little bit. The Vikings came out and sort of uh, surprised, I think, the Titans a little bit in terms of how effectively they threw the football. They didn't win the game, but they certainly made some big plays through the air. So now I'm starting to feel a little bit better about my Justin Jefferson uh, opportunities. I'm starting to feel better about the shares I have of him across fantasy rosters. I hadn't quite dropped him. I was getting nervous. I was getting close. So this has been a nice shot in the arm for me and for a lot of folks who sort of banked on him this season. So I'm going to say that he's got a chance to really keep this going. I mean, for you, Kimmy, uh, which of these rookies from yesterday do you think can can sort of sustain this?
4: Well, you've kind of already made the case for Justin Jefferson. If I had to pick between the three as my number one choice, I agree. I think it's going to be Justin Jefferson because like you said, they can't just rely on Adam Thielen all the time in that receiving course. So now Jefferson has stepped up. And let's go see them shine. But another name that I'm really excited about, and my second choice out of those three, let's talk about T. Higgins. I've kind of been on the Bengals' train this entire uh, season. I understand they still have yet to win a football game. I think it is coming. But let's talk about T. Higgins. He had two touchdowns. And the thing that I really want to focus on here is how much Joe Burrow trusted him near the goal line. That really makes T. Higgins look more and more enticing for fantasy. He scored from the one-yard line and four yards out, scoring both of Burrow's touchdowns in the game. But the only problem that I do have here, which is kind of the only apprehension, is that Tyler Boyd saw 13 targets in a huge game of his own, and A.J. Green, he's not doing so hot, but he's still there. He's not just going to come away. So I know, you know, in Minnesota, we talked about Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. That's a very clear wide receiver one, wide receiver two role. For the Bengals, it's kind of, it's three different guys, and I think that's where it's going to be a little bit more confusing to figure it out. But again, you have to look and see who did Joe Burrow trust to make a score. He trusted t higgins it's two young guys they understand that rapport they have one with one another so i'm kind of excited about him and really think that you know if aj green continues to fizzle out t higgins may just be that guy
2: i will say to your point though i think the emergence of t higgins sort of hastens the fantasy demise of aj green and you sort of look at how they're using green yes they are targeting him quite a bit But he's not really a downfield threat anymore. I mean, Tyler Boyd is, I think, by far, the wide receiver one on this team. I think he's taken that over. But I think T. Higgins has a legitimate shot to sort of slide in and start taking away some more of those A.J. Green targets. So I do think you're onto something here with how they're using him, the fact that, as you mentioned, Joe Burrow seems to trust him near the end zone. And I think anybody who was sort of on the fence about what to do about A.J. Green, I think what we saw yesterday might push you toward the side of maybe it's time for him to, uh, to head to the waiver wire, although we will get to that. A little bit later on in the show. That's called a tease. Uh, to hope to hopefully <laughs> keep you guys hanging on with us. But the, the rookie wide receivers have definitely stepped up, and that is exciting to see. And hopefully we see more of it in the weeks to come. All right, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKing.com for the it's time for Performance Ready, presented by Castrol Edge. It is Monday, which means it's time for another edition of Checks Marks the Spot, where Kimmy has three players she highlights based on what they did on Sunday. And this week, we're looking at guys whose stock rose the most based on what they did in their Week 3 games. The first one up on the list, Mike Davis stepped in, and he's not Christian McCaffrey, but he took the, that workload that McCaffrey had and looks like he did a pretty good job with it.
4: He did, and he's not Christian McCaffrey, but he did have a Christian McCaffrey-like performance. 13 rushing attempts for 46 yards, along with eight receptions for 45 yards and a touchdown in the absence of CMC, who's out with an injury for the next few weeks. Now, in PPR leagues, Davis's performance did kind of rival Christian McCaffrey-like game, and it shows that the backup ain't so bad. I know we had a lot of questions on Sunday. Do I start Mike Davis? Do, we, do I not? I said no, and obviously I'm eating my own words, which is why I'm hyping it up <laughs> so much now. Uh, If he is for some reason available in your league on the waivers, you should go hit him up and try to grab him because now the Panthers clearly have a running back to contender even when CMC does come back. Obviously, the Panthers always are going to have a run-heavy game because of Christian McCaffrey. However, that means defenses are zoned in on Christian McCaffrey. The performance that we saw yesterday from Mike Davis shows The two of them can kind of be a dual-headed monster in that backfield. And as long as Teddy Bridgewater can continue to tuck and give them the ball, there should be plenty of opportunity for them to score some amazing fantasy points. So, Mike Davis, I'm sorry for ever doubting you.
2: Let's move (laughs) forward. (laughs) Anybody who's got Mike Davis, you've got to feel at least as though you can weather the storm. If you lost Christian McCaffrey and you got Mike Davis, you should feel like you can sort of weather the storm at least for the next few weeks until CMC gets back in your lineup. Uh, On the other side of that game, Keenan Allen balled out 13 catches, 132 yards. And maybe, look, I I know they haven't figured out what the quarterback situation is going to be once Tyrod Taylor is healthy. But Jimmy, through a couple of weeks, it seems like Justin Herbert has done Keenan Allen some good.
4: I was just going to say, obviously, it's unfortunate what has happened with Tyrod Taylor. And I hope he has a speedy recovery. And if he goes back into that starting quarterback position, I'm happy for him. But Justin Herbert has truly found his guy, and that guy is very clearly Keenan Allen. 19 targets, 13 receptions, 132 yards, and a touchdown. That got you just over 30 fantasy points, so you should be patting yourself on your back if you had him in your lineup. Now, this is where becoming a veteran comes in handy because Allen was able to create space on those crazy routes that he consistently runs, allowing him to stay open and Herbert to get him the ball. Now, mind you, the trail, the, the chargers were trailing for most of that game, which also may account for some of Allen's targets. But regardless, even with the rookie at quarterback, Allen is a fantasy must-start, and I think these are good things if you have him on your squad, even with Justin Herbert. He found that comfortability in that receiver, and uh, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. And I'm impressed in Justin Herbert, too. I'm impressed in Keenan Allen, but that was kind of expected. Uh, But to be a rookie (laughs) and kind of come and take over under those circumstances of of completely being unexpected. You know, I was watching interviews, and and people had said, you know, Justin Herbert, how did you feel? Did you think it was a joke? And, And he was so sweet, and he said no, you know. When coach told me I was going in just a second before kickoff, I was ready. He goes, I train like I want to be a starting quarterback. I was ready to go in there. So we've seen a ball out, and I'm really impressed with this uh, Chargers offense.
2: Yeah, I do think though, in week one, getting told literally seconds before you're supposed to take the field probably helps. Like, there's no there's no time to think about it and get nervous. Like, you literally just got kicked into the pool, and so it's time to sink or swim. And so far, Herbert has done a very admirable job in his two starts with the Chargers. Plus, you gotta love to see, at least for me, uh, a couple of Pac-12 guys getting together. You got Oregon going to Cal. It's awesome. Speaking of Cal, former Cal quarterback Jared Goff at a sort of down week one, but he seems to have sort of bounced back the last couple of weeks. I know the Rams lost a tough one against the Buffalo Bills, but Jared Goff seems like he's starting to come around a little bit, especially for fantasy folks.
4: Now, I know we chatted Josh Allen earlier in that game, and obviously Josh Allen was great, but so was Jared Goff. And I don't think people may have realized that. He was 23 for 32 for completed passes for 320 yards, 21 passing yards and two touchdowns. Now, although the Rams have become a bit more run-heavy this season, Goff has still managed to put up six total touchdowns and only two turnovers through three games in the 2020 season. Those are all impressive numbers for a quarterback, especially for a fantasy quarterback. Now, he will remain on the streaming radar for next week's game against the Giants, However, again, they're playing against the Giants. I'm so sorry, Eddie. Um, I know that's your team. But the Giants are just absolutely abysmal. If you have an option to stream Jared Goff ahead of that game, I think you should absolutely get him on your roster. He showed out against the Bills. That was an incredibly tough matchup. Obviously, it's going to be a high-scoring game. Those offenses are going head-to-head, trying to get into the red zone. Um, So I think they're kind of going to have have a day and just completely ball out against the Giants because it's the Giants.
2: You know, I I will give credit to Adam Rank on this one, too, because he was on Jared Goff very early. In fact, late in the preseason, he started to jump on the Jared Goff train and was sort of telling people, look, there's the potential for him to sort of rebound to where he was a couple of seasons ago when the Rams offense just dominated the NFL. I don't think the offense is back to that level, but certainly – they're giving Goff more chances to throw the football. He's spreading it around. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler higby you name it. So Jared Goff looks like he may be sort of uh, finding some things that he had lost uh, a year or so ago. So uh, it's very interesting to watch. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. And you can keep an eye on this poll as well. Of those three guys, which of them do you think had their fantasy stock rise the most? Kimmy Checks has that poll on her Twitter page. So you can go find it and vote at Kimmy Checks. And if there's somebody else, can always leave it in the comments it is Monday so that means of course we are looking at some of the waiver wire potential ads for the week last week we were very heavy on running backs because we had so many running backs suffer injuries uh and have to sit down for a few weeks this week it seemed like a lot of wide receivers were missing in action I mean we had games without Devonte Adams without Michael Thomas uh without Julio Jones so a lot of people had their wide receiver one spot that was a little bit vacant this week so that means we're probably looking at some wide receivers off the waiver wire. And, Kimmy, we talked about some of the rookies that stepped up and played big. I mean, we got the three in Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, and Brandon Ayuk, who are going to be out there. Daryl Henderson is another name you should remember because he did play very well this week. Chances are, though, I know in a lot of leagues he's already been claimed. But, hey, take a look. There's a chance that maybe he is available in your fantasy league this week. And it it's certainly worth the look and the ad if he is out there. Because he got a lot of run and he played very well against a very good Buffalo Bills defense. Jimmy Graham is back. We got to stop the jokes. He had two touchdowns on Sunday. He has three for the season. They are looking for him in the Bears offense. And so it was fun to sort of laugh about the Bears having 11 different tight ends. But they found one they seemed to like. So it's time to maybe get on board with the Jimmy Graham train. Uh, Alan Lazard is a guy out there who had a big game on Sunday night. Especially if you started MVS. You were very aware of of Ellen Lazard having a big game on Sunday night. Sorry, Uh, I might have started in BS in some places. I'm just a little bit bitter. Uh, Cedric (laughs) Wilson also stepped up and played well for the Dallas Cowboys with a couple of long catches and some touchdowns as well. But of all those guys on this list, Kimmy, which one is your top waiver priority for this week?
4: You know, I think the number one priority is a guy that we chatted about earlier that's going to be Justin Jefferson, right? That's an obvious one. That should be a number one priority. But another one that kind of is really interesting to me, let's talk about Cedric Wilson, right? There was a big question, and I know you and I had talked, like, is this for real? Is this really a Cowboys wide receiver who is going to be a contender to get touches and targets and carries and points? He absolutely should be. He caught five of seven targets for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Now, previous to Sunday, he had five catches for 46 yards in all of his career. We were also wrapped up in the Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb hype that Wilson came out and showed us that, hey, I'm here too, and you should watch. In a very Bill Bellatrix way, since we talked about it earlier, Mike McCarthy (laughs) and the Cowboys now have us all scratching our heads on what their receiving core rotation will be. So if you do have depth at the wide receiver position but want even more security, especially as bye weeks approach, you could go ahead and grab Wilson on the wire. But uh, that was a really interesting one for me. I know that, you know, our fantasy (sighs) analyst and friend michael f florio he's all on the cd lamb train and i'm sure he was like holy cow maybe i should uh switch over to cedric wilson that was quite a uh, fun sunday performance
2: yeah i would say that at some point i was i was really about to pour one out for michael gallup because i have been on the michael gallup train all off season long and to watch cedric wilson do that uh especially in the first half i'm like well it it really might be over for michael Gallup." but gallup ended up coming back, <laughs> he came later back. In the day they were both he great a, yeah, they were both great he did he had a, he came back he had a big game so now I, I feel I feel slightly better but it does it does pose an interesting question. How much opportunity does Wilson get going forward, especially when we know that look, Lamb's still going to get his, Cooper's going to get his? It is going to make things a little bit cloudy there in Dallas, so uh, I'm very concerned about that one. I, I will say, look, I-, I talked about Jimmy Graham. I do think Graham, though, is one that we have to pay attention to. And in a year where, like every year, we're always looking for tight ends. We're always trying to find somebody to, to play in that spot. Jimmy Graham looks like he is back. You see that there? Six catches, 60 yards, two touchdowns. And nothing changed when Nick Foles got in the game. In fact, it might have even gotten better for him. He got seven targets from Foles when he took over for Mitch Trubisky. Now, I know the Bears haven't officially said who their quarterback is going to be going forward, but I can't imagine you go and you yank Mitch Trubisky in the middle of a game and you're going to turn around and hand the starting job back to him on Sunday. So maybe this is looking up for Graham. Maybe this is going to look up also for guys like Alan Robinson and Anthony Miller. We will see. But if you are in need of a tight end, if you are streaming the position, Jimmy Graham is out there in a lot of leagues, mostly because a lot of us weren't going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe again. But maybe maybe this is real this time. Maybe this is something we can buy into. Uh, Is there anybody on this list? or not on this list, I should say, that should be on this list this week.
4: So there's just one more name that I want to add. And this is, you know, there's a little apprehension to this, but it's Carlos Hyde. So yesterday in the Seahawks game, Chris Carson went down with a knee injury. He left the game early. Reports just came out this morning that it seems to be minor, which is good. However... If Chris Carson, for some reason, does not want to play because they do have a favorable and semi-easy matchup against the Miami Dolphins, Carlos Hyde may be someone that if you're absolutely desperate, you can go and you can put into your lineup if you need to stream someone. So again, that's just one little name, one small caveat. Obviously, we're, we're hopeful that the Chris Carson injury remains minor, but it's a favorable matchup against the Dolphins. So if Carlos Hyde was able to get into the game, I could see him having an opportunity to score some fantasy points
2: you mentioned the dolphins and the Seahawks which sort of reminds me if you are a, a person who is streaming quarterbacks if you are you know maybe needing a quarterback somebody's letting you down i'm going to i'm just going to throw this out there and i i will disavow all knowledge of saying this if it goes sideways but <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick as a streamer against the Seahawks doesn't seem totally crazy. He went out and played pretty well on Thursday night against the Jaguars. We have seen the Seahawks defense just give up yards and chunks through the air to every quarterback they have played so far this year. We know that Fitzy is good to go out and throw some YOLO balls. He will get it down the field, whether it's to Devontae Parker or Preston Williams or Mike Gesicki. So if you are sort of in a bad way, especially if you're in a two-quarterback league or a super flex league, streaming Ryan Fitzpatrick this week might not be the worst idea but again this goes sideways uh, I will tell everybody to burn the tape and I will disavow all knowledge can we can we this. can we talk uh, about burning the show. tape
4: and it going sideways where all of us were hyping up Gardner <laughs> Minshew and we're like starting, oh, he's gonna be man. amazing and then
2: I started Gardner Minshew over Deshaun Watson in a league and I am not happy are you are you it. okay think,
4: are you okay with that like, i how do you think feel? i
2: may have i think i may have gotten uh, i may have gotten some big performances in other places so i think i may survive that one but yeah that burned that burned quite a bit i'm not gonna lie the
4: beard is better than the mustache
2: yeah and so for anybody basically who's upset about us we're recommending gardner Minshew that it didn't work out for them understand that a lot of us are living that life too uh you know we are not just saying you know do as we say not as we do we do it too And so it came back to bite a lot of us in fantasy as well. I mean, it is the law of displacement, right? If you are adding something, you got to take something away. It's sort of like why you don't fill the bathtub all the way up before you get in it, because otherwise you're going to have water spilling everywhere on the floor. So we spent the last segment talking about some waiver wire ads potentially, but if you're going to add, chances are you're going to have to drop. So it's time to look at some players who really have not filled the bill through the first three weeks of the season, and we will ask whether... We should drop them. Maybe we should uh, exercise some patience and maybe find somewhere else to cut from our roster. The first one, Kimmy, is DeAndre Swift. And-, and we talked about the rookie running backs coming into this season. And so far, we've seen good things from Jonathan Taylor. We've seen good things from Clyde Edwards-Alaire. DeAndre Swift was the other guy at the top of this running back draft class. So far, we have seen very little from him. In fact, on Sunday, barely got on the field. Had about five snaps. For the Detroit Lions, Adrian Peterson was getting all of the work. You see the numbers there. One catch for 19 yards for DeAndre Swift. That was it. So is it time to let him go, or or can we still exercise some patience?
4: I'm saying bye to DeAndre Swift. There was a lot of hype, as you said, but he just hasn't been performing. Obviously, he is kind of used in the passing game, but he's clearly not the preferred goal line back, which is what you want in terms of fantasy football, especially at the running back position. So I feel like if I do have him on my squad, I'm putting him on the waivers to see what I can do or what kind of trade I can get him for. But really disappointing. It's sad. But I do have shares of Adrian Peterson, and uh, so I'm happy about that.
2: Who would have thought that in the year 2020 that Adrian Peterson would still be out there fantasy relevant, but he's getting opportunities in Matt Patricia's offense, and he is playing he's playing relatively well, and he has made DeAndre Swift very much an afterthought, and it's getting a lot harder to justify, at least in seasonal leagues, keeping him on your roster. Maybe in Dynasty, you can still put him on the bench and hope for good things in the future, but in seasonal, especially if you're off to a slow start, uh, it's just getting harder and harder to hold on to him. We talked about the Bengals and their passing game and and what T. Higgins did yesterday. A.J. Green, a lot of people spent sort of a a middle-round pick on him, hoping that he would be the A.J. Green of old. Instead, right now, he just looks like old A.J. Green. And you have to wonder, Kimmy, is this time for us to say goodbye to a guy who was a longtime fantasy favorite?
4: You know, previous to talking about the Bengals with you earlier this morning, I said, I think I'm going to hold on for, to A.J. Green for another week or two. But you really did kind of make the case for T. Higgins taking it in and usurping A.J. Green and really taking that wide receiver to position. Again, T. Higgins, he showed up. He had a huge game. He got two touchdowns, touchdowns—the only two touchdowns thrown by Joe Burrow in that Sunday matchup. A.J. Green, he's really not seeing the field a lot. He's not getting targets. He's not getting a share of the ball. So because of that, you kind of convinced me earlier. I think it's time to fade him away and say goodbye to A.J. Green and instead buy into T. Higgins.
2: Eight catches, 80 yards for the season. He had five for 36 on Sunday. And just watching this this highlight reel here, I mean, you just see so many short routes, so many underneath routes that they are not using A.J. Green to stretch the field. And so for that, even with a large target share, he's got to make a lot of catches and maybe hopefully somehow break one, get some yards after the catch. Right now, this passing game just does not seem set up for A.J. Green to have some big weeks. That's not to say he won't have one at some point during the season. It just seems like they may be a lot more rare than we're used to seeing as this offense sort of trends now toward Tyler Boyd and potentially T. Higgins. So with so much depth at wide receiver, I think it's okay to put AJ Green out there on the waiver wire and try to find some help from somewhere else. Uh, At tight end, I think we all knew that Austin Hooper was going to see a decline going from Atlanta to Cleveland because there were so many more targets to spread the ball around to there. But you figure that maybe without David Njoku in the short term, that would help Austin Hooper. But again, didn't get you much on Sunday uh, in the game for the the Browns against the Washington football team. we, We talked about some tight end potential in Jimmy Graham. So I feel like that makes it sort of easy to to say goodbye to Austin Hooper.
4: I was just going to say, obviously, you mentioned Jimmy Graham earlier last year. Dalton Schultz showed up for the Cowboys. There are other streaming tight end options, and Austin Hooper, sadly, is not one of them. He caught three of four targets for 25 yards, and though he's playing 86% of the snaps, He doesn't have a large role in the Browns game because they're running the ball almost 60% of the time. So just because he's on the football field, that does not mean he's getting any type of opportunity. Again, though Kevin Stefanski does like to have a two tight end run offense, he's not utilizing them whatsoever. The Browns have kind of been a disaster. Again, Baker Mayfield, he really needs to focus on getting the ball to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. So I feel like all of his focus is there and not on Austin Hooper. So it's time, to, it's time to fade them. There are other tight ends that have better flashes of opportunity, and they are actually playing the snaps, and they're actually getting the target share as well. So Austin Hooper, it's a sad fade for me.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you would have been way better off starting Mo Ali Cox over the last couple of weeks than, than Austin Hooper. I mean, Ali Cox still had back-to-back double-digit games. Austin Hooper is struggling to find anything in that Cleveland offense, and I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. One more tight end. Evan Ingram, who had a poor week one, a pretty decent week two, and then fell back and didn't do much in week three against the 49ers. This one seems a little bit less clear, Kimmy, because you know Ingram has not played well, but we know the role he occupies in this Giants offense. But are you fed up? Have you had enough? Or are you willing to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt?
4: I'm, I'm going to pump the brakes on. I'm going to pump the brakes on this one because, again, Obviously, Saquon Barkley is injured. He's out for the rest of the season. The New York Giants need all of the help that they can get on the offensive side of the ball. And I really do think Evan Ingram may just be one of those only offensive targets that they do have to get any type of red zone carries or red zone targets so that they can score and be competitive in all of their matchups. Now, though he's only had five targets for three receptions in 22 yards, Daniel Jones needs to redevelop that relationship with Ingram and redevelop it very, very, very quickly. Now, I do have shares of Ingram, so maybe I'm just being biased, but he is a streaming <laughs> option at the tight end position for me because I have other guys like a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle, and during those bye weeks, I can put Evan Ingram in. However, I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to wait to see what happens in the next few weeks. And then if he doesn't step up, I think then no one wants any shares of any part of this Giants offense. And then we have to repivot and figure out what to do.
2: Yeah, I, I still want to believe. I still want to hold on to Evan Ingram. So I'm not ready to put him back on the waiver wire just yet. But man, time is getting short. You need him to start performing. The Giants need him to start performing. The matchup against the Rams next week, not necessarily one to get you excited, but I'm still willing to keep the faith and hope that things come around for Evan Ingram and the big blue passing game. Let's hope. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, the NFL, NFL Players Association and Players Coalition together launched NFL votes to empower and improve our communities through exercising the right to vote. Join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit nfl.com slash votes to learn more. Earlier in the show, we talked about the Bears offense. We talked about Jimmy Graham and how he was getting targets from Nick Foles. At that moment, we said we didn't know who the Bears starting quarterback was going to be. But as though the football universe was listening to us, news has come down that Nick Foles has been named the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears for their week four contest. So, I mean, Kimmy, just in plain terms, this feels like good news for Jimmy Graham, Allen Robinson, and so many parts of that Bears passing game.
4: This is exciting. I mean, I think a lot of us were kind of rooting for Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, I'm a Chiefs fan. We got uh, Patrick Mahomes, so I just want to remind all the Bears fans, you guys could have gotten Patrick (laughs) Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and then you didn't, but whatever. Uh, But this is exciting. I think, again, Nick Foles, I don't think he's a backup quarterback. He went and led his team to a Super Bowl. I'm excited for him to get these opportunities. Like you said, this means a lot of good things for the Chicago Bears receiving core. Jimmy Graham, Allen Robinson, so many other guys. So kudos to you. Uh, he, He led the team to Really good comeback yesterday as well. So uh I'm excited.
2: Yeah, I mean the, the Bears came back to win. Although I you know, part of me wonders, was this the Bears winning or is this just falconing in progress? Because we've seen this a couple weeks in a row. Oy but Nick Foles is back. Uh, I right. I, I know. So the one thing is that the Foles coming back certainly means I think more targets or at least more quality targets for the pass catchers. The downside is they have the Colts this week, who have one of the best defenses in the league. And who really just wrecked the Jets on Sunday. So it's a good news, bad news situation. We'll see how it goes, but I think it gives us more confidence, though, in a lot of those Bears skill position players. All right, let's talk some Monday Night Football. We've got the Chiefs and the Ravens. It is a great way to end Week 3 when you got two of the past NFL MVPs. You have the reigning Super Bowl MVP in Patrick Mahomes. You have two of the most coveted fantasy quarterbacks out there, two of the most exciting I can keep going on and on and on. So let's just (laughs) ask the question, who scores more tonight? Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. I think I know which way you're going to go, but I'm asking you the question anyway.
4: It's a homer pick. It's Patrick Mahomes, but also (laughs) because I truly do think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a really good game. I know on Twitter, yourself, myself, Adam rank and Florio. We all got asked a lot of questions. Do I start Patrick Mahomes against the Ravens defense? Absolutely. Don't ever sit Patrick Mahomes, regardless of the tough matchup. Now on both of his career starts against the Baltimore Ravens, he scored 20 plus fantasy points in both of those games. He's had two plus, plus passing touchdowns in every single game he's played so far. So I absolutely think this is going to be a high-scoring matchup. When we think back to, what, the 2018 season when it was the Rams versus the Chiefs, it was supposed to be that Mexico game, but it was played in Los Angeles. That was kind of the Super Bowl of that season because – Then the Rams and the Patriots went on to have, what, like a 7-3 and Super Bowl. I truly (laughs) think that this may be a Super Bowl-like game for the Ravens and the Chiefs. So I'm excited. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have upward of 25 fantasy points. I do not think Lamar Jackson will be far behind that. But I do think uh, Patrick Mahomes usurps him just a teeny bit.
2: I look. I think it's going to be great. I do think Patrick is, is going to have a pretty good game. I'm gonna I'm gonna slide uh, side slightly with Lamar Jackson in this one, and I think he will sort of have to do it mostly with his legs. The Chiefs secondary has been tough. Going back to last year, we started to realize that you couldn't throw the ball all that effectively against Kansas City, and so I think this is a week that Lamar Jackson is going to have to be a more effective runner just to sort of back that defense off a little bit, try to open some things up. So uh, I think he's going to get out there and and look for fantasy. It's sort of great, right? Because a rushing touchdown gets you six where a passing touchdown might get you four. So in that respect, this could actually work out pretty well for fantasy folks. I think both guys are going to have very good games and you're right. If you're playing in seasonal leagues, uh, it's hard to make the case to sit either one of these guys. I get it. If you're playing daily, you can probably went somewhere else. You probably found some other options. That is certainly understandable, but Look, you drafted one of these guys really high, right? You probably took Lamar uh, or Patrick Mahomes in the the second, third, maybe fourth round. You're playing them. I I can't imagine you have a better option or had a better option on your bench. And by the way, if you waited this long, you you have no choice but to play them because there are no other games this week. So uh, I do think it's going to be Lamar slightly, but I think both will be very entertaining and a lot of fun to watch tonight. How worried, though, should we be about Clyde Edwards-Alaire going up against a very tough Baltimore run defense?
4: You know again, we want to talk about the matchup. I understand that they, that that Baltimore Ravens are lying some of the fewest points to running backs. However, Again, very much like Patrick Mahomes, because of Clyde edwards helaire upside, you cannot sit him because he could have another breakout week like he did in week one. This, is, again, is going to be a very high-scoring matchup, which means points galore and huge upside for CEH. I'm starting him. I think he's going to be a low-end RB1, and I'm just praying and hoping and crossing my fingers that he has a week one performance as opposed to that week two performance uh, that wasn't so great. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, they, they didn't give him the ball quite as much in week two. He had the 25 carries in week one. He did have six catches, though, in week two. And the thing about playing in PPR leagues, I know that you know the, the stat, the research is out there that basically a target is equal one and a half points, uh, one and a half times the points of a carry. So maybe that sort of helps him a little bit. I've got him with a decent total this week, and I think some of it has to be done through the air because I don't know how effective he can be running the football, but I think if they get him involved in the short passing game, get him out in space a little bit to try to help him against that Baltimore defense, he can give you a decent fantasy point total, which you know in some instances might be all you need to help get a win tonight. Finally, I talked about the Chiefs and their secondary being tough. So, what do you see coming for Marquise Hollywood Brown this week?
4: Well, I think first of all, Honey Badger Tyron Matthew is going to have all of his eyes on Marquise Hollywood Brown. <laughs> However, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, this is going to be his breakout season. I know we saw an incredible performance in week one. Week two, not so much, but he's back on the rebound, and he's ready to ball out. If the Ravens want to win against the Kansas City Chiefs, Marquise Hollywood-Brown will have to be a key to that success. Now, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins, they have the run gate covered. Well, Hollywood Brown needs to dominate on the receiving side to compete with the speed of Tyreek Hill. I think he has an opportunity to put up 20-plus fantasy points. He's healthy. He's recovered. He got that, that janky screw out of his foot. And he put on weight. This is the healthiest that he has ever looked. He's going into his second year at one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. So I think this is an exciting time for Marquise Hollywood Brown. I have him on my bench because I am a little bit scared. However, if you do not have that option and you want to play him, I really do think he can go and have an opportunity to play extremely well against the Kansas City Chiefs, regardless of their secondary.
2: What we have seen from Marquise Brown, the first season plus of his career, is that He really defines boom or bust when it comes to fantasy production. And I think that's what you're sort of going to see from him on Monday night. It is either going to be boom or bust. The thing with him is that it doesn't take many opportunities for him to have a big fantasy night. He can take anything to the house when he gets his hands on the football. So it only maybe takes one or two plays for him to have a big fantasy day but that sort of volatility also means that you will have some really low scores. And so I think for him, I I see either a huge game coming or he gets you much of nothing for that reason. I would tend to have left him on my bench this week. I would rather uh, play. I feel like you have to play sort of the floor as much as the ceiling with him. And especially if you had other sort of mid level, mid range plays in the week, then maybe this is one you sort of avoid. But again, uh, if you got this far and you haven't decided, then you don't have a whole lot of other options. Maybe you go with a Mecole Hardman or something on the other side who is just as volatile. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, Kimmy, this is going to be fun, right? We're going to enjoy this one tonight.
4: I know. It's going to be amazing. I'm sure we will try to be answering and, and responding back to all the Twitter questions because, of course, one of the guys that we chatted about today, he's going to completely bust or he'll completely boom and then we'll get roasted regardless. Uh, But it's exciting. Again, I think this is going to be one of the Super Bowl-like games of this entire season. We had an exciting game last night on Sunday Night Football between the Packers and the Saints. I think this game tonight is going to rival that game with high-scoring, fun energy, two dynamic quarterbacks, and incredible offenses and defenses. Uh, So we're in for a Monday Night Football treat.
2: Yeah, I would say this is also one of those. Don't check your lineup games. Just, Just sit down, enjoy the game, check your fantasy scores afterwards. Uh, just, Just allow this to be football and don't have to tilt over your fantasy lineup. There you go. That is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, the difference between stupidity and genius is that genius has its limits. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Wednesday.